Blogs, YouTube videos, podcasts, ebooks, and online courses are all types of digital content. If you've ever wondered how you can get started creating digital content of your own, then look no further. Today, we're joined by Sydney Buckner, a software engineer and YouTuber, to discuss how we got started creating digital content, how much you can make from publishing content, and more. Let's get started. Welcome to the Ladybug Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Allie. And I'm Emma. And we're debugging the tech industry. Are you developing an application with GraphQL but don't know where to start? Or maybe you're building a GraphQL backend and you're overwhelmed with boilerplate code and performance problems. Save yourself time and effort and check out the Grand Stack. The Grand Stack consists of four technologies that capture the best of modern web application development. GraphQL, React, Apollo, and Neo4j database, the most widely used graph database. Together, they enable developers to build complex, data-intensive applications at scale with graphs all the way down by leveraging GraphQL. To get started with GrandStack, use the latest version of the Create GrandStack app CLI and download the free Manning ebook, Fullstack GraphQL Applications, at grandstack.io. I'm like super excited to have you on, Sydney. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us because I've admired you from afar uh, for quite some time. Um, So it'd be great if you could kind of give an introduction to yourself to our listeners. Yeah, awesome. Uh, First off, when is the wedding date? Because (laughs) I proposed to you forever ago. I gave you fries. What's going on here, Emma? I always wanted a winter wedding, but this year has just been uh, a nightmare. So. We'll have to talk about that later. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I am Sydney. I am a software engineer. I live in the Midwest. I am also a content creator. I am revitalizing my YouTube channel right now to give all of these wonderful people on my followings tech advice, lifestyle advice, mindset advice, as well as just like general unsolicited advice. I have been a software engineer for about two years. It has been a really interesting, really crazy, really awesome ride. And I can't wait to give everybody just a little bit more of a taste of my life, of my experience being in tech, and um, really figuring out what is going on when it comes to mindset, when it comes to just being in a better space to transition into tech and going from there. Awesome. We're very excited to have you. Allie's also here with us today. Allie, do you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> <laughs> We've done enough of that. But I cannot wait to learn more about YouTube because I'm brand new to it and I'm still trying to figure it out. So, so yeah, excited yeah. to learn. Awesome. Well, speaking of YouTube, um, let's each give a quick rundown of the types of digital content that we have created in the past. Sydney, I'm going to pass it over to you first. Yeah, so um, I have created um, little freebies. I have created, um, what is it? I do live sessions on Periscope every week just to talk uh, Q&A with different people that have different questions. I also have, um, what is it? I have a bunch of uh, PDFs that I've given to people just on like interview tips and things. I also have my YouTube channel. I do a couple of stories on my Instagram about little tips uh, for tech as well as mindset uh, things. So there's a lot more that I have coming up, but my main thing is my YouTube channel that I am uh, making sure that I figure out what my mix is, what my niche is for uh, a combination of like tech advice as well as like mindset advice. 
That's awesome. And for everyone listening, this is going to be the world's heftiest show notes section. So make sure you (laughs) scroll on down there because we got lots of good stuff for you, including all of the links that Sydney has just mentioned. Allie, what about you? What what experience do you have creating digital content? Yeah. So for me, my blog is definitely the biggest thing. Um, It used to get like 200,000 reads a month. I'm not sure what it's at right now, but it still gets a lot of readership as well. But then I've also tried to spin into like YouTube and Twitch more recently. I also have an ebook that like 11,000 people have read. So um, I definitely have some experience with the content creation side of things. But even this podcast is content too. And doing it with everybody is really fun. So that's, I guess, my experience. I still feel like a total noob to video content and feel completely unable to give advice there. So Sydney is our expert on all things video, but I can definitely speak to (laughs) blogging and um, doing that on maybe a more professional basis to the point of making income off of it and things like that. For sure. Yeah. I'm excited to actually like drill down into some of these different content areas, but um, I kind of have experience doing almost everything except for YouTube videos, ironically. I feel like we have good, um, like, differentiation here of skill sets, which should be fun to to talk about. So my first run-in with content, I think, was blogging. I started on Medium and switched to the dev platform, and now I've got my own blog, compiled.blog. It is not compiled.dev. I've posted this a thousand times. I can't even get my own URL <laughs> right. It is compiled.blog, and I have lots of fun stuff over there. Um I have also been contracted to write blog posts for companies like Honeypot IO and Stack Overflow, which has been really neat. I have a couple podcasts, the one that you're listening to at the moment. I co-host with two other lovely people. Um, and I'm also a panelist on JS Party, so that's pretty fun as well. I create online courses with Friend and Masters and LinkedIn Learning. I did two so far this year. I'm recording my next LinkedIn course actually on Tuesday next week. It's on JavaScript Congratulations. challenges. Thank That's you. Cool. Yeah. So I, I, my first LinkedIn course was on creating a tech resume. And this next one is JavaScript challenges. Front and Masters is on design systems. And I'm doing another one next year on CSS. So like that's, awesome. I don't know how I have time for like, I don't have any friends or like social events I ever go to. So that's probably why. But um, <laughs> and then lastly, I decided to publish self-publish a couple of ebooks this year. Um, the first and I'm not going to drive too much into this right now because I have a bunch of blog posts on it and whatnot. We'll link in the show notes. The first was my technical interview book um, that I wrote and published in a month. I made $40,000 off of it in one month. Uh, you can go read my blog on that. We'll link that in the show notes as well. Um, and I also self-published an ebook about blogging. So when we get into the blogging section, you can go take a look at that for some more details. Great. That was a lot. That was a mouthful. So let's, <laughs> before we dive into these different areas of digital content, let's quickly discuss some of the pros and cons. Uh, Sydney, for you, what are some of the pros of creating online content? Yeah. So um, the pros is that I get to have my creative outlet. I feel like for the longest time, like I was so immersed in like, getting into tech, I am technically a self-taught engineer. I had went to a couple of boot camps, like my whole story is on my YouTube channel. So go check that out. Um, but for the longest time, I just had these like really different hobbies, um, before I had gotten into tech and really didn't get back into a space where I like had a life and like had friends and like had hobbies to do. So this is a really great creative outlet for myself. Um, I, I can dance, I can sing, I can act, 
uh, and really just do whatever I want on my channel, um, depending on like what I feel like talking about and um, what questions that people ask me. Um, I get to edit my own things. I get to figure out like what kind of uh, theme that I want for my scripts. I get to, um, what is it? Film in my beautiful apartment. Mm -hmm. I, I get to just do a bunch of things that give me creative freedom. And what else do I get to do? I... I get to have people on when I feel like it. I get to talk about whatever I want. It's just, it's a plethora of things that I get to do, but mostly it's that creative freedom and just like that really awesome hobby that people actually like to watch. So that's awesome. I feel like that's, I don't know about you, Allie, but for me, that's also why I got into creating content specifically blogging was kind of like my gateway, my gateway content. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> I just, I needed to keep notes for myself on tech skills I was learning and I didn't write for anyone but myself. And, um, you know, at the end of this, we'll discuss some tips for creating content in general, but that's my biggest tip is like write for yourself or create content for yourself first and other people will follow. Yeah, for sure. I think blogging is also the lowest ramp to creating content because you don't really need anything but a computer. And that's yeah. the really difficult part, I think, for me with video content is that you can do it with just a webcam and your your um, computer mic, but it starts to escalate pretty fast of getting a camera and getting a mic and having to edit and all of these things that go into it. So I think starting with blogging is great because you can just write something down. It doesn't have to be amazing and you can put it out there. Like I got, I think, 37 reads of my first blog post and I was ecstatic over that. I thought it was way more people than I thought would ever read it. I had like under 100 followers on Twitter. Then eventually, you know, like a couple hundred people would read one of my blog posts and I'd be like, oh my goodness, this is so exciting. It's happening. Like I've got this big developer blog and then things started to really blow up. And now I have blog posts with like 150,000 reads in one post. And so it's kind of crazy how these things escalate over time. And it's not really rewarding at first to see the viewership. I think you see those metrics and you're like, well, it's not that many people usually. But over time, if you keep creating, it ends up snowballing. Yeah. And I think too, it's really easy to look at people with large followings and large platforms and think that yours will also take off very quickly. I mean, I've been very vocal about the fact that my Twitter growth was extremely fast to the point where I'm just like an outlier. It took me like a year, a little over a year to get 100,000 followers, which is unheard of. Um, so um, like I would suggest just, you know, it's uh, it's so easy to look at people like myself and like Allie and like Sydney who get all these views and engagement and think that it's going to happen quickly for you. Um, and that can be discouraging. So my my advice is just, you know, focus on yourself and your personal goals and do things for yourself. And um, yeah, but I in the beginning, I got like zero readership on Medium, but I didn't care because I wasn't writing for other people. Yeah. So. Yeah, cool. Yeah, those are those are some really great benefits of creating content. I think my other two are getting to meet people from all over the world. I mean, that's how I got to meet you and Allie, or you and Allie, you and Kelly and start this podcast. And I met Sydney through Twitter. So, um, you know, it opens up this whole new, literally, world of people that you previously didn't have access to. Um, but also you can monetize your work and get passive income. I think Money for me is not as important now as it was, uh, you know, nine months ago when I was in a debt payoff journey that really fueled my desire to create 
content for money. Um, now I do, I just create content because I love it. But you can monetize your work and rake in passive income on that for years. Yeah. I mean, I still make money on medium blog posts every month that I don't haven't touched in Oh, that's years. so awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not a lot of money. I mean, it's maybe like, well, it could be a lot of money depending upon like your circumstances. I, I mean, some months I made like $10, others I've made like 300. Um, but I'm very transparent. Actually, I think in my, yeah, in my blogging book that we will be giving away at the end of this episode, I break down my financials from all of my blogs that I've ever made. Um, so if you're interested in looking at how I made money through blogging, feel free to check that out. That's so um, awesome. Like I'm really yeah. ready to, I haven't dived uh, into your blog book just yet, but I, I was one of the first people I, I know for a fact to buy it. So I'm really excited to actually like look into it because blogging is somewhere I want to start looking into as well. Just kind of like diversify like where I want to go when it comes to my content creation and goodness, like it's, it's there's so Aww. much stuff that you have. So I'm just like, yes, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to like pay you for your services. So I can't wait. Oh I my gosh, you're it. so nice. I totally would have given you one for free, <laughs> but um, I appreciate that. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, this is all nice that we're over here, like, you know, pumping up each other's egos, but um, <laughs> let's, yeah. let's quickly just wait. Met- let me talk also about it impacting your day job as well, because I think that's something that we have not touched on. And I think yeah. it's important to talk about, especially if you're creating content about your job. So if you are um, making software engineering content and you're a software engineer, like all of us, that can really impact your career opportunities. And my last couple of jobs I've gotten because of my online presence. And right now I'm a developer advocate. And so kind of creating content is a huge part of my full-time job. And I got it for that reason. And so it's been huge from a career perspective. That being said, um, before I switched to working at AWS, content creation was actually my primary source of income. And I have not talked about this on any um, platforms yet, but that that is the truth. And so it's something that can really be monetized. I haven't been able to make courses because it. I have a non-compete with one of the past companies that I worked with. And so I haven't been allowed to, but that will definitely be something that I look into in the upcoming months. Yeah, that was really helpful. Thank you. I keep forgetting that you do this for a living. And so that was, yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. Um, But, you know, all of these things are great, but I think there are definitely some downsides. So let's quickly touch on that. How about nasty comments? How many of us have gotten nasty comments? Raise your hand. <laughs> everyone's, ra- everyone's raising every single limb on their body right I now. I am battling somebody right now. Somebody actually just like posted on my Twitter page. They were like, is it important to use black tech Twitter and all of your hashtags and everything? Because I respect everybody, black, white, yellow. And I, I don't think that I need to have you show off like just to get sympathy. And I'm just like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, what are you talking about? somebody like a few weeks ago, like Allie, I'm fairly sure that because you got involved, like that popped off the way that it did. But like some guy was like, oh yeah, like you're not a software engineer unless you got a computer science degree. Uh, Except for that, you're a developer. Cheers. Like I remember that so clearly. And I was just like, so are you, whoever you are, going to go to my physical job and write a 12-page essay explaining the reasons on why you think that my bosses, my management should 
take my title and put it down or wherever you think that this like level is to a software developer instead of an engineer, just because I don't have a computer science degree. Okay. Like let's like, if that was actually important to you, then you would have done way more than just like make that snide ass comment. So like, let's, let's get out of here with all of the BS, Mm -hmm. but I love those. I like those trolls are hilarious. I don't try and dissect the lives of idiots anymore. Just I I'm putting (laughs) it out there right now. Like that, that is not something that I want you guys to do out here. If you are trying to create content, there are always going to be people that are going to say something mean, that are not going to agree with what you say. And that's totally fine. I have one consistent person every single time that I put up a YouTube video, he always gives it a thumbs down. I know who it is too. So that's even more hilarious. (laughs) It's just, it's, it's going to be that way all the time. But as long as you like stay drowning in that support of people uh, that really do love your content, then it's going to be okay. I I truly believe that. I wish I could think that way all the time. I think that's very, (laughs) that's like what I aspire to. And for the most part, I would say I don't let the negativity get to me. I try to make jokes about it. Um, But there are times when it just really hits me. And I think that you just have to be aware of that going into content creation. You've got to have a thick skin and not let it get to you, but it's okay if it does, it gets to everyone. Right. Definitely. It's, it escalates over time for sure. And there's waves of positivity and negativity too, I think. Like some weeks are really bad with the negativity and then some weeks it's like doesn't even come across your radar. And you come up with tricks over time for filtering it out so you don't really see it as much, I think. Um, Things like only reading the first couple comments instead of the ones that come later or Having the it, hidden replies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Never read the hidden replies. Uh, having notifications off on Twitter is a really big one as well. Um, and just making sure that you have those filters built up so that you don't necessarily see everything. But it is tough. And especially at first, dealing with it is really, really difficult. It gets easier over time, I would say. But um, it still is like tough to see every piece of you criticized by random people on the internet. It's not something that you're necessarily, it's not like a normal thing, right? <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. not it's necessarily not. something that you grow up thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to get trolled on the internet. At least I definitely did not. But um, yeah. it's, it's part of it for sure. I think the other really big negative is how time consuming it is, but also how life consuming it is. And I think one of the most difficult pieces for me is that my job is being myself in a lot of ways. And so when you're creating content, like it's not like I can just go on social media as a tune off thing on the weekend. It's like, oh no, like social media is part of my job, you know? And so work-life balance takes on a very different meaning when you are your work. Yeah. And I also think I was really bad at setting boundaries before getting into content creation where I literally shared every detail of my life. Um, And I've talked, I don't know if I've talked about this before. I I think on Twitter I addressed it, but basically like my first like year on Twitter, I posted about getting married and I posted my wedding and all this shit. And then I got divorced and I didn't address it. And people were like ruthless about it. Like I'm I know I put myself in that position of oversharing, but when you're getting into this, it's addictive. And when you start gaining followers, it's addictive. And you don't realize 
the negative implications it can have. And so I I felt like I had to publicly address the fact that, yes, I got divorced. We're not together. Leave it alone. And even to this day, I still get questions and comments like, hope you and your husband are great. Are you still married? And like, it's so fucking rude. Sorry. I know that's like explicit and all, but you know, I just caution people when you do start gaining followers, just be very conscientious of what you share of your life on the internet. And I think this is more of an American mindset of oversharing. I've noticed because in Europe, people do not use social media the same exact way for the most part that we do in the US. So uh, that's just my tip. But in any case, I think uh, we could do a whole episode on, you know, the positives and negative content creation. But I think we should maybe start thinking about logistics because I think a lot of people are going to be interested in how you actually create these kinds of things. So Um, in terms of online courses, I'm just going to kind of blow through this pretty quickly so we can get to sections where we've all worked in and and we can discuss that as a group. Um, but for online courses, uh, you know, people always ask, what's your process? I don't necessarily have a process. I generally will create an outline. Um, actually with LinkedIn learning, they're very structured where we have spreadsheets and we have milestones and Google documents that I have to fill out. Um, so ideally what I would do is create takeaway goals for the course, break them into different chapters, create an outline on those chapters, literally write down a script and break the script into different action um, pieces, whether that's me on camera, whether that's live coding and things of that nature. Um, You know, I recommend you try to keep your videos, if they're segmented videos, between like three to five minutes in length. Uh, And linking to related resources is a really good tip. Uh, because, you know, I, I've taken plenty of online courses where they didn't actually link anything. And it was really hard for me to figure out what they were talking about. Um, if you are working with a, a platform like Friend and Masters or LinkedIn Learning, they'll generally have, you know, people for you to work with. If you're doing it on your own, um, you know, that's totally great. And I think that's awesome. Um, we have multiple episodes on how people learn and other types of things like how to give a good conference talk and things like that, we can link in the show notes where we dive a little bit deeper into how people learn best. Um, Allie's really, uh, you're very, you're a great advocate for education. Um, and we have a ton of content on that there. Thanks. So, yeah. Well, teaching yeah. used to be my full time job, even if it was a little bit of a different format than asynchronous courses. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just some tips for creating online courses, which, you know, we should do maybe an entire episode on online courses. It's a little hard for me to go into because I worked with other organizations. Um, but if you're doing it on your own, here are some tips. Um, have a clear takeaway from each video. Have a learning objective. Provide solutions to tricky concepts. People are going to want to know how you got to where you did and what everything means. Um, provide a way for students to contact you and post comments. I think Allie, did you write these in our show notes or did I write them? Because am I reading your (laughs) – I'm going to let Allie take over. Allie, you can pick up from – provide a way for students to contact you. That's definitely something you wrote. I'm going to let you take over. No, I did not write that. You didn't write that? I think this is you. I wrote that. But then there's the I do, we do, you do. And I feel like that was definitely me. So I don't know. I think I posted that because it it doesn't matter. But (laughs) okay, I thought you – okay. We're just one big circle of disarray at the moment. Um, (laughs) But yeah, if you're going to create an online course, just give your students a way to contact you, whether that's Discord, whether that's Slack, but uh, potentially have a code of conduct. I think that's a great idea if you're going to have a social community. Not potentially, Um, 100% you need to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Be concise. No one wants to watch 45-minute long videos. Sometimes. Okay, that's not true. Sometimes they do want to watch a 45-minute long video, but in general, people's attention spans can only take about up to 15 minutes before they get, you know, their mind starts to wander uh, and whatnot. So just try to be concise. 
uh, explain why you're doing something. Oh gosh, this is a huge tip. If you want to learn more about learning why and, and finding your why, start with why is a great book by Simon Sinek that governs everything that I do with content creation. You need to know your whys. <laughs> um, if you use development plugins, tell your students what they are. There's nothing more like discouraging than watching a super cool coding tutorial and like the instructors using all of these shortcuts and plugins. And you're like, what are these? Why don't I have them? I don't know how to do that. Um, so please tell your students what they are. Uh, if you're doing a paid course, your courses need to be polished. People expect quality for the most part. Um, so make sure if you're going to price it pretty heftily that you give them the quality that they're expecting. And uh, give students knowledge that they can't get by simply Googling something if you're doing a paid course. Give them something a little bit extra. So those are my tips for creating online courses. Awesome. Cool. And I, th I think it's really interesting, and I, we should transition into talking about YouTube, because I think a lot of those rules are almost flipped on their head. Like, Sydney, you are going to be the expert here. But <laughs> from what I understand, the longer the video, generally the better it does on YouTube. I don't know if you want to go into yes, that. Yes. So I, I think that I've, I've done a ton of research this year on like how exactly I want to uh, gauge uh, the amount of time with my videos. But it seems to be that um, there used to be where you know, like our attention span has of course like gotten smaller over time. And the whole point of like making sure that you're getting uh, consistent um, views uh, out there is that you need to have your videos between at least seven to 15 minutes. And it's gotten a little bit smaller um, as the years have gone by. So I know that a lot of people, the people that I like to follow, Kelly Stamps, Matt Diavala, I know um, Lavender, uh, they normally have their uh, videos between about 10 to 20 minutes. And then a lot of the median time I feel like is going into about 15 to 17 minutes. So I have been doing my best to see and experiment like where exactly, um, are like my analytics when it comes to how many people actually drop off when it comes to looking at my videos. So there's like an analytics, um, on YouTube when you start your channel and when you've like gotten a certain amount of videos on your channel. So you look at, it's like this graph on how many people, like the percentage of people that decide to drop off and like not finish, um, all of your YouTube videos specifically. And mine gets into, I think like the 30% range. I've been able to like stay consistent where like 30% of people that are actually looking at my videos will, um, stop looking at it between like, um, I'd say like five to seven minutes, which is actually pretty great. So, um, there, there's a couple of like very specific things that you need to be looking at, um, when it comes to keeping your, uh, views very high, especially when you want them to actually complete the whole video. So I've been experimenting with like, keeping my videos between 20 minutes, seeing how many people like that. And that's where, um, my viewers like dipped a little bit. I know that maybe like 12% were like actually completing the video to the end, which I was like, ah, man, like, how am I, like, what am I going to do? So, um, I've started to keep my video between seven and 10 minutes and that's gotten me a little bit more um, viewership. I think that I saw my, um, followers, actually my subscribers spike, um, after a couple of my videos, I had, um, done how to deal with burnout, um, a couple of weeks ago. And then I had just posted a video, um, 
this week about like how to stay motivated, especially when you're learning how to code. And so those were between seven and 10 minutes. And I feel like I got much more completion of uh, my videos uh, when it comes to the timeline that I had. It was like, what, maybe seven to eight minutes that I had in those videos. So keeping a timeline between, I'd say seven to like 15 minutes is the sweet spot where people need to go if you're starting a YouTube channel. And then like, experiment as much as you want to. Um, I have gotten some great tips uh, from different like little courses that I've been looking at um, that just, they tell you to talk about what you want to, because like you said, Emma, I think that once you just start making content for yourself, then people are going to follow. People are going to like wonder like, oh, who is Sydney Buckner? And then go from there. And that's what I had been struggling with. I feel like in the beginning of this year where I was just like, I really want to talk about tech, but then also like, you know, you're going into work and you're talking about tech there. And then you're like coming back to your hobby and talking about it. It's just like, oh my God, like I want to like take a break. I want to like kind of context switch here. So talking about whatever you want to, when you want to, and figure out, um, based on your analytics, where exactly people are like really enjoying your videos, completing your videos, actually watching them the whole way through between those like seven to what, 15 minutes. Um, and like seeing where exactly people are staying engaged. So what is it? I'm looking up my like YouTube analytics right now. So, um, I have noticed that a lot more people are really in love with um, when I started talking about tech and like those like really funny videos where I had like the wine glass and I'm like getting drunk on my (laughs) YouTube channel. So I am seeing like what I can experiment with and kind of like see if I can shoot off a little bit and go from there. But it's YouTube is the easiest, hardest way to start actually getting a following and making money um, from what I've heard. So we're just going to see what happens. But if I had to like give out any advice right now, keep your videos in between seven to 15 minutes and do what you want until you figure out like where that sweet spot is on what people want you to talk about. So, and then kind of hopefully get some more inspiration and figure out what other ideas you can go off of based on like that particular video that like people really loved. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's like a gold mine of data right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. The YouTube <laughs> in- analytics are absurd, especially. They're insane. It's like all of this stuff. Like I'm looking at, um, goodness, it's the, it's the engagement, I think, that it is or the reach. Something like with the reach in the audience where you have to track like what is it? Um, like how many people are actually like looking at your videos for a certain amount of time. And if it dips too low, then you're like not getting enough views to like actually be legitimate. And we're not even getting into like how you monetize on YouTube yet. Cause I haven't gotten monetized on YouTube. That is my hope. I am going to have a million subscribers one day. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fire. It's just mm-hmm. going to happen, but we're, we're trying to get to that sweet spot first. So That's awesome. Yeah. What is your process like? So do you have like an outline Mm -hmm. and then you film and then you edit and upload or is there a lot more that goes into it? Yeah, there's, there's a process for me because, um, I am very intentional about what I put out there and what I, uh, try to create. Um, I, I want, I want people to laugh. I want people to learn something from my channel. And I just also want them to feel a sense of relief. 
of having fun every single time that I put out a YouTube video. And that was the three main goals that I had for my channel. And so that kind of like turned into what I wanted when it came to my niche. And so, um, I have like a list. I I have my planner here and it's just like a list of like ideas that I have, um, for things that I want to talk about. And it just, whenever I get that ping of inspiration, it could be anything. I could be wine drunk. I could be playing video games. I could be coding. I could be like sitting around and like, um, talking with my mom and like, I have my planner with me and I'll like write it down. But it's very um, intentional when I choose a topic for the week and I will sit on it. I have a process. So um, by Friday of every week, I will at least have an outline of what I want my script to look like. By Saturday, I'll start filming. I'll start like experimenting with a couple of things that I'm thinking about. Again, very intentional. I don't want to force myself. I don't want to push anything um, because then it doesn't come off like as genuine. And so um, it's very hard for me to like have a conversation like into the camera sometimes when I'm not like speaking to a person. So I'll go back to like um, looking at my conversations like with my coach, with some of my um, clients, some of my mentors. Um, and just like see what they like love about like what I'm talking about or like what my personality is like because I'm introverted, but like I try my best to like keep people smiling and things. And so, um, and that takes a lot of energy sometimes. But by the time that I felt like I have a finished product in a video, which might take about 30 minutes to actually shoot, I whittle it down to seven to 15 minutes every Sunday. So Sunday to Monday is when like I have my time to edit and that depending on like how long that I want the video to be, um, editing, like cutting out the extra crap that I don't want can be between four to six hours. So that's like a whole work day to some people. So like, (laughs) that's really crazy. Right. And then, um, I have a couple of tools like, what is this, um, tube buddy. I don't know if you guys have heard about that. That helps you kind of like optimize, um, what your, uh, YouTube video, like your tag should look like for, um, what is it? Uh, what is it? SEO, the optimization. Um, it's really important. Um, if you're like trying to uh, like get on to like the secret of the algorithm to try and either, um, have titles where like people are just kind of like gripped by them and they're like but like this lady isn't like actually doing this like for example kelly stamps out there she's like this very like high rising like youtube star right now that i'm just like oh i would love to be her she has these like really strange titles where she's like oh i went to the bay area to go get a taco for a day and people are like no she didn't and they'll click on it yes she did and that's one way. And then the other way is for, um, people for your titles, um, you need to have them like as a Google search. I don't know if that makes any sense, but Google and YouTube, of course they're the same company, but YouTube is the second highest, like, searching tool like out there. I don't know if you guys knew that as well. I didn't until this year. And so you have to have your titles Googleable. Does that make sense? Like um that's why I have like how to stay motivated when learning to code or how to find a mentor. Um it's kind of like those like how-tos right now because I again I really want to like start giving out that advice for people who are like in the pandemic, they're depressed, they're like trying to figure things out. But um 
yeah, like those are the two ways that I've kind of like seen where it's like, oh yeah, like those are kind of like the quality content that people are putting out there and that's how they're like getting people um, and then go from there. So by that time, by Tuesday, I normally have my video up and ready. And then by Wednesday, um, by like six o'clock normally is when I have my YouTube video posted. So um, yeah, that's my whole process. It's a long one, but I keep it very organized and I try to um, take as little as possible time from like my work hours because I am very bad at context switching and it just stresses me out. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I try my best to like keep that as separate as possible. But um, yeah, that's just how it goes. It's it's a long process. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I've been making them for a couple weeks now. And I think a couple tips that I've learned that maybe I can fill in here is uh, thumbnails are really important. So thumbnails are the little pictures that people see when they see a YouTube video on their timeline somewhere. And the advice that I've heard for this is bright colors and to have you on them because it kind of differentiates. And a large part of me is like, I don't want my picture on these. Like, that's really weird. And I don't like having, you know, my face plastered to these videos. But from what I've heard, (laughs) it really, really changes how much people click through if you have a picture of you on the thumbnail. So I don't know. That's a hot tip, I guess. Um, Keeping consistent with uh, your channel is also a good way to have um, people like anticipating your videos. Like, especially for people who aren't like trying to do this full time, like at least having one video a week, like at the same time slot to be uploaded is really good because it's that Oprah Winfrey effect where you're having um, people anticipate like at four o'clock on a Tuesday, like that's when Oprah Winfrey is going on. And so for Wednesday at 6 PM is when like Sydney is like putting up her video. So I can't wait for that, you know? So having people like get kind of addicted to that like specific time slot like for a tv show and whatnot it's the same thing awesome yeah i think that's awesome um that you both do youtube it's something i always thought i could get into and then i got into like everything else (laughs) um (laughs) speaking of everything else i want to transition into ebooks really quick this is going to be kind of like the last big one we touch on um before we kind of move into how to monetize your content and tips for creating content um ebooks are up and coming like they're like a the new hot type of content to create especially during quarantine um and i don't want to talk too too long about it just because i've already written some blog posts on how i created my ebook how i self-published it and things of that nature um but if you're looking to create a self-published ebook you can use a creation software like the mac computers the mac computers macs have (laughs) um, a pages app that comes natively installed that you can use and export pdfs and epub and mobis um although the formatting on those is a little sketchy but it works um leanpub is also another online software that you can use to create ebooks uh and blurb is one that i found i haven't used but i really want to use so those are three that you could choose from if you're trying to create an ebook uh, in terms of selling platforms, there are quite a few. I'm currently using Payhip and I love it. Highly recommend. I think it's a beautiful UI, very easy to use, low cost. Um, Podia is also very nice, but it is a bit expensive. LeanPub, I found it quite confusing, to be honest, in terms of selling and creating ebooks. So like, if you're not experienced with LeanPub, 
and you're new to this, I might just say like, go with PayHip. I think they're the best. Uh, and I want to briefly touch on this platform because I'm going to get questions and comments about it if I don't address it. Gumroad is a platform that you can use to sell digital content. I've used it previously in the past. Um, but a few months ago, they, we, I don't even know how to explain this whole situation. Um, but they were silencing Black women's voices in the community when we were in the height of Black Lives Matters. They were blocking Black women. They were, um, I believe they were responding with some not so nice comments. Yeah, um, it, was, it was pretty bad. <laughs> it was really bad. And in all honesty, the CEO has also posted questionable things um, on Twitter. And I just didn't, I didn't want to be associated with um, that platform because I vehemently disagree with their views and how they've handled situations. Not saying they can't, you know, learn from it and make things right. But I was donating proceeds from my ebook sales to Black the black community. I had like different organizations within the black community I was donating proceeds to. And the fact that they were actively trying to silence black women's voices in the community did not sit well with me. And so I pulled my content off of their platform and that's why I don't promote it to people anymore. So I wanted to address it. I don't really want to give them a ton of time on this podcast, but I did feel like I needed to say something. Thank you for saying something. I, I really appreciate you doing so because a lot of people um, in our tech community, Black Tech Twitter, um, it was incredibly offensive um, to a lot of people, especially um, Paris Athena. That is, it, she's the one that made Black Tech Pipeline, and it, it was just very offensive and just really um, restrictive to have so many just very interesting comments uh, just slapped uh, like in her face. So. Um, I, I appreciate uh, your advocacy for this. And it's it's not something that I love to tell people when it comes to like cancel culture, but you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't appropriate. So I, I appreciate you addressing that. Of course. I mean it's the least I can do. Um, but let's uh, you know, we're trying to kind of wrap things up a little bit, but there are so many different types of content out there. Um, you know blogging again it's a big one it's a great one to get into if you're looking to start creating digital content but we have a bunch of content as well on how to blog uh we have a ladybug podcast episode on blogging as well as the book that i've written so we'll link those in the show notes for you and if you want to learn more about how to create a blog feel free to check those out um podcasting is kind of the last one that we can touch on uh again you know, a lot of these tips that we have, they apply to all content creation, right? Like having a publishing schedule is a big one. Uh, that's something we did from the inception of our inception, conception. I don't know. We're not <laughs> making a baby, but um, from the inception of our podcast, we pub we decided to publish every Monday. Every Monday? That's when we publish, yeah, right? every Monday. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, and, you know, other things like invest in branding if you can. We invested in a logo from Fiverr. I think it was like, 60 bucks and we got a logo from Fiverr. It, it keeps everything consistent and branded, which is nice. We got, you know, our social media accounts to go with it. Um, and speaking of, you know, creating thumbnails for YouTube videos, if you don't know how to design things, use Canva. I think they're a great platform for Canva creating blog so headers. Dope. Yes. For, yeah. <laughs> so good. We, I use them personally for a lot of stuff, ebook covers as well. Um, we'll also link them in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. And let's just briefly talk about monetization just because I think it's something that we haven't talked about too much on this show before. So the first thing is having a product. So an online course or a ebook that you're selling. And that's probably the easiest way to make like a full-time income off of this, I would say. 
Um, and then there's also ways to monetize a blog, whether that be having ads on it, using web monetization, but I've only made pennies off of that, to be totally honest. So I think that that's probably one that um, is still blooming, but someday, maybe. And then another thing is to sell sponsorships like we do for this podcast and people do for YouTube videos all the time. Um, you can also put ads on your YouTube videos once you get to a certain viewership level. Um, and then the last thing that you can do in this is what I did was sell consulting services based off of your blog so or based off of your content. So if people are reading your content, funneling them into some sort of service that you provide. So there's a lot of different ways to, to do this. Um, I think we've probably talked about this in our side hustling episodes. Yeah, I think so as well. Okay, cool. So we can link those because those would be great to listen to, but there are so many different content types out there and so many different strategies for this too. For sure. And yeah, just be conscientious of the fact that it's going to take some time to make decent money off of this um, content creation in general. It, it does take a while, but you can get there. Um, it just takes some people longer than others, but definitely, uh, again, time consuming. Um as a last section to wrap up, let's mention just a couple tips that we have in general for creating content. Um, Sydney, what is one big tip that you would give someone who's starting content creation? I have two tips really quickly. Um, you really need to be consistent if you are planning to monetize any of your content creation. So making a blog post every week, making a YouTube video every week, at least one every week. And then also, um, I found it very, um, uh, very eye-opening that you should be creating a mail list, an emailing list. So um, one reason for that is you never know when the world might end. You know, we are on the uh, pinnacle of like financial collapse. So you just never know what's going to happen uh, in the world. And so YouTube may go away, like Google may go away, you never know. And so having an email list where you can actually connect with your followers, with the folks that actually want to uh, stay dedicated to looking at your content, it's really important for them to figure out a place where uh, you start up your new platform for content creation. So keep that in mind whenever you are starting a um any type of content creation is that tell them to go to your email list, tell them to subscribe there because there's always some bonus content. There's always some cool stuff that you can get from there more exclusively if you are not on an email list. That's the best tip, honestly, you could give anyone looking to create content. And it took me a long time to make an email list. But Allie, your email list is up to like lots of thousands of people. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I think I have 11,000 people on my email list. Nice. Yes. It's yeah. the most valuable thing that you can have as a content creator from what I understand. And I don't utilize it well enough. I really wish that I knew more about email marketing. But uh, I think to get people on there, having some sort of lead magnet is really great. And mine was my ebook and that's kind of how it um, escalated. But yeah, I think these are really, really great tips for content. Again, we have a blogging episode, so that's one piece of content that we didn't talk too much about, but is uh, a big part of my life <laughs> and, and my heart. But I think 
one of the things that I'm really struggling with now is how to balance all the different content formats and deal with it. And one of the things that I've learned is repurposing content. So if you, I use my blog posts as scripts for my YouTube videos so that I have two pieces of content in different formats to appeal to different people. That's so incredibly smart. Go you. (laughs) I need to start utilizing that myself. Yeah. I don't know. It makes life so much easier. So I don't need to be reinventing everything from absolute scratch. Okay. Let's do a fire round of shout outs. Emma, what is yours? Uh, Mine is going to be my technicalinterviews.dev website that I am working on with the Egghead team. If y'all saw Kent's epic React course that got launched, I'm working with the same team who created his platform. Mine is going to be turning that technical interview book that I made a bunch of money off of and donated, you know, paid off all my debt with. Again, you can read the blog post for details, but turning that book into a fully fledged online course and revamping the book. So if you want to learn more and get updates on that, it's technicalinterviews.dev. Sydney, what's yours? I always go to when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling stressed. Um, You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero is an incredible book. I really believe in the uh, aspects of manifestation and uh, gratitude. And that book has like saved my life so many times uh, from like just any aspect of my life. If I'm like feeling down about something or if I want to celebrate something, I always go back to that book. I have my boyfriend reading it right now and he thinks he's a like spiritual guru from it now. So I take credit for that. You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. I love it. Total shout out to her. That's awesome. I'll shout out Sydney's YouTube channel for mine. It's (laughs) so much fun. (laughs) I love how you mix the comedy in there and the good advice. And your videos are so well produced. So I will give you a big shout out for mine this week. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, now you're making me seem like a jerk. God. No. (laughs) No, but everybody should definitely go subscribe to her YouTube channel. It's awesome. Um, Definitely get a lot of inspiration from that. Awesome. So if you liked today's episode, tweet about it. We love reading your feedback and we love giving you free things. So this week we're going to give you a free copy of my blogging book. If you tweet about it, we'll pick one person. Um, And we also post new podcasts every Monday. So make sure that you're subscribed so that you can be notified and leave us a review. Thanks for listening. And thank you again, Sydney, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate this. Thank you.